0: way our God loves us gave gave us Jesus that that we can thrive that we can prosper that we can be the very best thing that we can and we can because he lives in us hallelujah so with that in mind we can take up the offering uh, this evening and let's remember (coughs) He was so generous in giving Jesus. Let us be the same. Take that same spirit upon us as we give this evening. Amen. Hallelujah. So evening, church. Anyone visiting here? So we've got to come, stick your hand up. No. So just welcome. It's a nice chilly evening, and I um, enjoy these services. And you've got stuck with me again. Steve is preparing for his trip off to Armenia. Yeah, everyone's shaking their heads. I'm not allowed to say anything. Actually, saved. Wow. <laughs> Let's just pray. I tell you what. When I uh, just for me part of of the reason why we're up here. Is really, it's a focus on. I just believe that there's a need for a revival in people's lives. In this area as well, there are a fair amount of churches. Um, and I'm not saying that ours are special, but the grace message sets people free. And so, what I want you to do is just agree with me in prayer. Well, we just pray up into this area. Lord, we just thank you for the believers that are gathered here tonight. Every single one of them, young and old. Lord, and we stand in agreement, Lord, that your kingdom has come to upper highway, Lord God. Into every house, Lord God. Your Holy Spirit is working now in people's lives. And what it's doing, Lord, it's... Pouring out love, bringing truth, challenging beliefs, setting captives free, opening eyes that are blind, and heeding people. So Lord, we proclaim this over this area, and Lord, we do pray that you will add to our numbers, that more will step into fellowship. They will not just sit at home and watch television and wait for the rapture. But Lord, that they would, they would find their calling and their purpose in the name of Jesus, and live the abundant life, not the half-life. Amen. 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 So, I'm preaching to the converted here tonight, um, and because of that, it's going to be maybe a little bit different. So, I'm not trying to win you over with anything, I want to to talk about what we need in order to see this revival that we keep praying and hoping for happen. And it does begin with us, each one of us. And these are always tough because I use this time for major introspection. So last time I preached about, can you guys remember... Um, now, this is a test, you know, and then there is no condemnation, but there will be judgment. <laughs> okay, there's always someone. Okay, I didn't have my sucker here to handle out. We were talking about, about the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your, your soul. And I, I was sharing about how I had this computer game that, uh, where I was killing zombies. Um, I know it's not a great topic. But um, it slowly took over my life in a sense that like I was this frog in warm water and I felt that, that this thing was binding me and holding me captive. I wasn't necessarily, didn't feel like I was in sin at all, but I realized that my effectiveness as a Christian was being hampered and that this thing was actually controlling my life and that control, is either God's in control or there's something else in control and then I, I need to come back and say that now I've been dry. I've been dry. <laughs> Anonymously, not that I'm anonymous. Um, but we are a family and we stand together. And this is a like, I'm going to tell you about my next sin right now. And we're going to work through them one by one. <laughs> so it all started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now I've been told that I'm being recorded. (laughs) So, this is something I actually really thought I was such a great oak at, you know, and then I decided I was going to preach about it, and that's when you always find out that you are a work in progress. So, what I want to talk about is practical grace. So, we had a lot of grace pour down our ears. And bless Steve, thank goodness, because grace is fantastic. But does it translate into change lives of those that we meet and encounter? Or is it sitting with me and I take it home and I watch Netflix and I go to work and I come back on Sunday? But I mean, Mark said, had a really great sermon, and I really, I would strongly encourage you if you missed it, please do yourself a favor. I'm not going to give it a score out of 10, but I, I would recommend that you listen to it. <laughs> it was good and challenging, and I mean, one thing that he said really stuck out, stood out is that you know we live in closed communities in terms of the white community and often, and um, I mean, I've been asking myself the same question: Why am I not seeing an impact around me in terms of the people that I know? And first of all, the group that I know are all mostly Christians to begin with, so I'm preaching to the converted. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I I can't come here and tell you how you're going to improve. That's just a waste of time. Okay, unless I can communicate something that is going to change your spheres of influence and mine. And that's, okay, this is the premise of where we're coming from here. Because that's the only way we're going to see God's kingdom come. We are His hands and His feet and His lips. Mark 12, 28, this is where it all begins. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this Here is Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. I mean, that is quite awesome, you know. And many of us love God. Um, maybe not with all our strength, but anyway, it's. We do love God. We wouldn't be here on a Sunday night if we didn't. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Okay, so I want to just focus on that second one. So you see there's a pattern. Last week I did the first one. This is, okay, working through it. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that God is one and that there is no one other but him. To love him with all your heart and all your understanding and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Hmm. Good answer. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. (laughs) Um, There's a second telling of the story. And I'm going to come to the second telling of that story because everyone has different perspectives. Holly is here. Hello, Ali. My daughter. And we've got a little thing, joke at home at the moment. Um, And it's this comment that says there's nothing common about common sense. Common sense is not that common. (laughs) Supposedly by Voltaire. Um, And it's interesting because there's a lot of wisdom behind it. And the reality is that everyone sees the world differently. So... Common sense is not that common because everyone has a different filter and lenses, different beliefs. I mean, if you had to tell a headhunter in um, New Guinea that, that he was doing something wrong by courageously shrinking the head of his enemy, I mean, it's a cultural differential perspective that we just never grew up in. So we can stand in judgment, but we actually don't really know what we're talking about. You know, we're throwing Western... Beliefs and concepts into an area that we just don 't know, maybe it 's a sign of great respect for them to do that, to eat the heart of your enemy, as some did in in the amazon jungle it's a great sign of respect, but um, not that' it's right <laughs> okay, sorry, just just had to put that there okay in case you got ideas yeah, just. <laughs> It's amazing what you can do with editing these days. <laughs> okay. I mean, this is repeated all through the New Testament. John thirteen thirty four. A new commandment I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, and you love one another. So, so in this topic of revival, people will only know that we're disciples if we can love one another. Okay, simple, boom, there it is, done, i finished. Okay. <laughs> okay, finished, not quite. But it is, it is coming to that topic of why am I not seeing revival maybe in my own life, or of those around me, that's where I'm coming from. Maybe they're not seeing love through me. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, Galatians 5.14, and we've been working through Galatians. And, I mean, Mark did a great sermon about the battle of the flesh and how that also stops us from loving other people because, well, we uh, love ourselves but don't pass it on. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters and do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Hebrews 13 1 to 2. So I have to say that, like, this is a challenge. I think loving other people, it sounds easy. I, and now I have got a confession. I mean, I've got an issue with car guards. <laughs> and it's not car guards per se. It's the whole concept that I've got an alarm on my car. I'm paying tax for a police force that doesn't exist. And then I'm still tipping someone else for the third or fourth time. So I've got triple redundancy. And the car guard's on crutches, and I'm wondering, what exactly am I paying for? (laughs) Um, And it's not right, necessarily, but um, the issue, it's an issue that I have to examine myself with, because I actually have an issue with it, okay? And maybe it's not the person, but I'm putting my perception of judgment onto that person because they represent what I don't like that I'm having to pay money for a service that I didn't really want in the first place. And what that happens, it means that I'm separating myself from an individual through judgment, in a sense. I'm definitely not loving them. So, Luke 10, 29 takes off from the way this young man finished. Now, he asks this question, and there's a different take on it. The young man, you know, he'd done so well before, and then he, like, goes and ruins it all. He wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who then is my neighbor? And then we have this story. Jesus goes into a parable. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, and leaving him for half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man he passed by on the other side. Okay, so the priest came, and he just like, "Whoops, somebody else's problem," and hopped across the road. And I have to say, in South Africa, there's a lot of people lying in gutters, half-dead at the moment. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw me pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. So then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. I mean, that's quite radical. Okay. Picked him up, took him, used his own resources to put him in better shape. Went out of his way to go and find an inn to dump him off, not dump him off. The next day he took out two denarii, which is about 500 rand, I think. It's very difficult. The denarii was just escalating in terms of inflation at the time. Um, Sounds like the rand. And gave them to the innkeeper. (laughs) I tried to research how much a denarii cost, and it was actually really difficult, because like, over the space of about 50 years, it went up by 3,000% inflation. Um, So, okay, that's completely off the topic. (laughs) He gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said... And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Okay, so forget the denarii. The issue is the heart of this individual. So he's, he's prepared to just go out of his way. Which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Okay, the expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. Okay. So now it's an interesting answer because it's not... He, didn't, he could have used the word compassion. He could have used the word love. He could have used pity. But he used the word mercy. Why did he use the word mercy? Where do we use the word mercy? What is mercy used for? Mercy is used in the context of law and judgment. So what actually happened is these other two who are ruler, the Levite and the priest are experts in the law. They had made a judgment call. They had decided what is right and what is wrong, and this is not part of what they need to judge. And with that judgment, there was no mercy behind it whatsoever. There was, they condemned him to his state, in essence. They made a pronunciation, well, proclamation or whatever it is, So, this issue of grace is significant. Let's talk about practical grace. Because practical grace and law can't exist side by side. And that's how I I call this practical grace. Um, Not that that your sermon wasn't about practical grace either. (laughs) Um, So, something interesting happened in the garden on that fateful day. Genesis 2, verses 2. We've heard about the fall and the snake and what he got up to. And so we have this, this incident that changed our ability and how the world used to relate to God and how God had intended it. And I think most of you are familiar with it. This is, But I want to pick up from Genesis 2 verse 2. The woman said to the serpent... We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, says the serpent to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so this is what all happens here. I'm going to jump to verse 22. Verse 22. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us. Okay, that's a hectic statement. The man has now become one of us. This is the Trinity speaking. Holy Spirit, Jesus and God. Knowing good and evil. So man had suddenly set himself up as a judge of what is right and what is wrong. His eyes had been opened. The first thing he does is he examines himself and finds that he is not up to scratch, he's naked, and tries to then hide. Then he's ashamed, because he also doesn't meet up to God's standard, in a sense, because they've let God down by eating from this, and he tries to hide. Physically. And there's this immediate consequence of judgment where he is not expecting mercy from God. Otherwise, why hide? So, But God is merciful. But the consequence is that we are born with the ability to judge what is good and bad and evil in our fellow man. And we do it all the time. We decide what is right and what is wrong. But the problem with judgment is that God doesn't really want us to do that. You know, Matthew 7, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so what happens is law brings in judgment. Grace brings in mercy. And so we have law conflicting with grace. And that's why judgment, as soon as you believe that you can judge, you've brought law into the relationship. And with law, there can't be love. Unless there's perfect love. Because there is only one perfect judge who has perfect love. And that was the problem. You know, God said okay well we can't let them eat from the tree of life they will live forever and because they don't have perfect love the consequences of judgment results in a Cain and Abel situation you start killing each other because I'm going to make a decision I don't like what you're doing I've judged you as being not up to scratch let me just take you out that is the ultimate consequence of judgment in a sense and so This issue is a complex one. Well, not that complex, really. But I find it very hard because I'm caught judging people all the time. Maybe I'll judge someone. And the problem is they say that you make up your mind on people within the first minute or so. But actually, it's a lie because you know nothing of them. You know nothing of them. You've got no context to their background. You don't know if their parents were alcoholics. You don't know if they are multimillionaires. They just dress funny. You know nothing. <laughs> Yet we're judging. I mean, I've caught myself judging my daughter's friends, but I know nothing of them. Yeah? And the problem is this when we judge, it stops us from having compassion. And without compassion, we cannot see the Holy Spirit move. And so we're cutting the Holy Spirit out of the equation. So we're living in the flesh, we're not living in the spirit. Which was this morning's preach, but I wanted to just tie into that. And so, there is a legitimate place for let's. I wouldn't want. I want to use the word the law, but God has put in place authority structures. Those are in the family. You know, the father, father of the house, the husband and wife team become a family. And there's authority structure to bring up children in the way that they must. And there's discipline, supposedly under loving correction. (laughs) There's authority structures within government, which we'll talk about when I have got more love and compassion. There's authority structures in the church. And those are legitimate structures that God has put in place that then have the right to make a call within certain guidelines, and he set those guidelines, and they're supposed to be driven by love. Where love is missing in the family, or in the church structure, chaos erupts. There's hurt people, broken relationships, and destruction, because that's what comes when the law creeps in. It destroys relationships, straight away. So we're not going to be able to witness to people if we're judging them. And so, when this greatest commandment comes, grace brings in love and mercy. Judgment brings, is coming from the law. That's why God says don't judge. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go further. I supposed to have my iPad. I think I left it in the car. So just don't mind me. James 4. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law. And judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge. One who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So, there is only one person who's got the right to judge, and that's Christ. And he will, there's a day of judgment. And I don't want to go through the, Goats and the sheep story. I mean, I get cold jitteries when I read that thing. (laughs) It's for another day. Um, But he is the perfect love. And as his ambassadors, we need to be like Jesus when he responded to that woman caught in adultery. You know, what he does is he exercises mercy to her. And through that, there's fruit. That emerges from that and so Jesus when he did things on this time the short time that we actually actively see his ministry a lot of the you'll read that Jesus full of compassion healed the sick Jesus having compassion on the people fed the 5,000 and it's that compassion that will result in people seeing the light that we have to shine But if we're going to have law and judgment, compassion and judgment are complete polar opposites. They cannot coexist. And so I've got to have to look at myself. And, you know, if I want to see change, it always begins with me. And it does mean an effort. It means maybe going out and making friends with people that you thought were a bit quirky or that you had prejudged already and cut them off or whatever it takes but there is an action that you can do in this and that's the challenge because without having an ability to show love and compassion how will people know about this gospel and the church will remain empty or just fill up with Christians it won't fill up with non-Christians because they just i being judged all the time. And it's hard. I mean, I thought about this. I thought about this woman caught in adultery. What would I have done there? You know, would I have sat there? Um, I don't know if I would have been as merciful. I would have thought, man, this woman's just destroyed a family's life. She's just split up a family. Maybe. I don't know. I wasn't there. But, I mean, often we can jump to, to something. Um, yeah, where was the man? It jumps out of the pages straight away. Yes, maybe one of them was there. Um, Okay, but anyway, I don't want to go on further than that. I think the challenge is clear. Now, we are all believers here. Well, if you're not, please come and chat to me afterwards. Um, And I'm not making light of this because we are the light of this world. We are called to be the salt and to make this world salty Um, And that means to show the love of Christ. And that for me is a personal challenge. It's just a personal challenge. But I want to share it as a common challenge to us who are believers. Because we can sit here and we can play church. But, you know, if we're in the same place in three years' time, what then? The rapture comes, so what? We'll We'll be great, but it's the storing up of treasure in heaven that we need to focus on. So, I'm going to end there. Um, I hope there has been an encouraging word. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We don't. We don't stand condemned in this. And the reality is, I'm going to fall. I will catch myself judging someone. That's it. It's going to happen. I shouldn't preach that of myself. Hey, but I'm, I'm a work in progress. But I am going to try and be recognize it while it happens. And then take authority over it or intervene before it follows out into consequences. So, let's just close there. So, what I'm going to do is let's just pray. Um, I don't think we need a huge ministry time or anything like that. Let's just close in prayer. I think just, yeah, let's, let's just pray about this. Father, we just thank you for your word. Whatever you do, Lord, you do it in love. And you, you ask us to do the same. You know, once we were under the law, and we were judged and condemned to death. But through your grace and your love, you have saved us from that. And Lord, I pray that we could have compassion, but it only comes through your Holy Spirit. We can't love the world, but with Christ in us, We can love like you love. So Lord, we just pray for a transformed heart. We pray for sensitivity to your Holy Spirit. We pray for our eyes are open and awareness of our actions when we take them as to how we're treating other people. Um, We pray for all these things. I just thank you for this family here tonight. I just pray that they would be doubly blessed, that there would just be a return and a harvest and that there would be joy as they go out and just see you move through each of their lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. That's it. Thanks, guys. Coffee. Biscuits for the men.